0: This week, in the parish of bourses and market structure, the Binance noose is tightening more as Coinbase blinks versus the SEC and the London Stock Exchange closes Curve Global. Acquis Exchange make great results and congratulations to Verena Ross, who's returning to ESMA as Chairman, having been Executive Director under Stefan Major. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, Episode 113. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the weekend market structure. All the analysis of the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the Bourse business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Over in Brussels, the stubborn determination of the European Union to defer a decision on European clearing permissions. Is an impediment to taking Brussels seriously. That's after the financial industry across the EU27 and indeed the UK and beyond was urging the European Union to extend the Euro swaps clearing rules to permit the use of the London Clearinghouse and avoid financial Armageddon. Meanwhile, sad news from the London Stock Exchange Group. On the path to trying to organise Refinitiv, they've decided to drop the London Stock Exchange Group's loss-making derivatives platform Curve Global. As the Financial Times put it, Curve Global Markets has failed to win enough business and will cease trading in January. It's sad news as the latest attempt to break the exchange-traded derivatives interest rate oligopoly dies with the demise of Curve Global, as London Stock Exchange Group clearly looks in every area to reduce costs which have burgeoned with the addition of the Refinitive bloat. So farewell then curve, which will close during the LIBOR transition, and thus LSEG abandons what amounted to the most tangible possibility to revamp the interest rate oligopoly to date. It's understandable that faced with this tsunami of reorganisation in refinitive, Elseg would make this sort of cut. A desperation ometer reading towards the top of the one to ten scale is apparent from Paternoster Square's C-suite, but it's still a shame that there was not enough impetus from the top of the group to give Curve a better chance to innovate further at the group level. It's another sad day for the Elsag's long story of failed derivatives ambition. Clearly, a small LCH CCP pot will die too but that won't have much impact compared to the non-clear behemoths of Swap Clear, repo RepoClear et al. Andy Ross and the Curve team have made a spirited attempt at delivering a serious competitor without controversy and are to be applauded for their efforts. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young – yes, that's me – Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 U.S. dollars per user, per year or currency equivalent, you can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. In results this week, increase in GPW's a group net profits, albeit, well, somewhat anemic. Minus 3% year-on-year on revenue for the Warsaw Stock Exchange. Uh, operating expenses up 15.5% year-on-year, leading to an operating profit which was minus 9.2%. But by the time they've done a bit of tax wizardry, that gives us a net profit squeaking up at 4.1% for the second quarter of the year, which leads the net profit for the first half of the year up 15%, which looks rather more encouraging. The government will be happy. They're going to be the major recipient of a $26.8 million dividend to be paid. Happier news and results came from Aquas Exchange, just as we were rushing into the studio. The unaudited results for the six months ended 30th of June 2021 are stunning. Revenue up 37%, and EbitDA growing to £1.6 million, that's $2.2 million, or over triple the half a million pounds that they made in the equivalent period last year. Excellent stuff. Congratulations to Alistair Haynes and the team at Aquas. In new markets this week, China's new stock exchange—that's the Beijing-based SME-focused market—is moving ahead a great pace. It set the investment threshold. Individual investors qualified to trade on the Beijing Stock Exchange must have at least 500,000 yuan—that's about 77 and a half thousand U.S. dollars worth of assets in their stock accounts. That sets the threshold on a par with Shanghai's tech-focused star market. Meanwhile in deals this week, Euroclear completed their acquisition of the MFEX Group and dark pool trading platforms Level ATS and Luminex look set to merge. The news that Luminex is still going may come as a surprise to many onlookers for starters. By combining, we create an ecosystem where both the buy side and the sell side have the ability to interact when and how they choose broadening the liquidity that both customers can participate in, said Level ATS Chief Executive Officer Whit Connery. In other words, they're creating what some others might call an exchange. Not that I'm overly convinced the notion of Luminex embracing the sell side is anything other than an admission of defeat. They were just too late into the buy side block business without a sufficiently compelling new model. The news that it will be one broker-dealer with two ATSs strikes me as cumbersome, if not entirely pointless in a holistic sense. Then again, as Luminex amounted to little more than the We Loathe Seth Club, which has now been rendered redundant by his exit from LiquidNet, what was the purpose of Luminex other than to be merged into another ATS? Meanwhile out there in the big world, don't forget you can still get a copy of Victory or Death, a Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. Some reading whether you're in lockdown, in quarantine or even possibly allowed out to be on public transport. What else can you do but find a good book to read while you're on your daily commute now that there's no longer the opportunity to pad in your slippers from the bedroom to the spare room? Anyway, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency in the FinTech World was also discussed this week in the final part of my AMA as part of my IPO live stream. However, episode 40 of the IPOvid vid livestream was a lot more than just the AMA. We had an absolutely marvellous guest this week, Steve Hamilton. We came live from the Ice House in London and we were discussing all sorts of issues about interest rate derivatives with the head honcho of interest rate futures, options and derivatives at the Intercontinental Exchange Worldwide. You can catch that at youtube.com. Just search for IPO-vid. In crypto land this week, well, Coinbase's spat with the SEC continues to reverberate around. For one thing, Coinbase have removed their lend product. It will not be launched, so no 4% bounty for anybody who's holding their crypto in the near term, while the SEC and Coinbase endeavour to resolve their differences. Equally, as the week was coming to a close, Coinbase were actually trying to make ministrations to suggest a framework of regulation for the crypto economy in the USA. Wonder how that will go down with Gary Gensler, who seems to be, well, one might say, very, very eager to be seen to be the man in charge at all times. Speaking of blinks, first it was Coinbase blinking on their lend product, then it was Binance. Binance are now restructuring to quell regulators' concerns. They're going to become a single, centralised business. Death of the DeFi model for Binance there, as finally the risk of orange jumpsuits become conspicuously obvious. That said, Binance becoming a centralised entity to ease its compliance across jurisdictions sounds like a wonderful thing. However, given how many years they've actually been actively dodging such a structure, Until, over the past year, regulators actively disrupted Binance's operations by banning its services. The real politique is this feels awfully like Binance performing the equivalent of an Alice in Wonderland. Six impossible things before wearing the somewhat inevitable orange jumpsuit. Kind of transition, I fear. In product news this week, the American Financial Exchange, the people who bring you Ameribor as a benchmark in the post-Libor world, they announced their commitment to being carbon neutral with the support of Climate Vault setting a new standard for the financial market industry. That, of course, Professor Dr. Richard Sander would be the man behind producing an absolutely carbon neutral interest rate index is perhaps not surprising given that he is, as well as the father of financial futures, the father of the climate futures business and indeed the climate exchange itself. Exchange Invest is the daily must-read by the most influential figures operating the world's best markets. We invite you to join the exclusive group of Borse bosses and other C-suite executives who make Exchange Invest the exchange of information, their daily business intelligence guide to markets the world over. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at 200 US dollars per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me Patrick at DerivativesVision.com In India, the National Stock Exchange of India are mulling discontinuing stop-loss market orders for options, which could cause a bit of a kerfuffle, but is obviously an issue relating to relative liquidity in some of the strikes, particularly the the out-of-the-monies. Hong Kong, they're proposing SPAC listings, but only for professional investors, while Borsa Istanbul has launched Platinum and Palladium Futures. Moscow Exchange, they're going to accept international stocks as collateral and ICE Benchmark Administration have launched ICE risk-free rate indexes, RFRs, for US dollar, euro and Japanese yen. Meanwhile, back in India, there's a little bit of a kerfuffle over the settlement plan. SEBI, the regulator, wants to reduce settlement to T plus one day. The irony of this is, of course, that those rich folks out west always want emerging markets to tone down their settlement cycles as they simply can't cope with it due to the aged nature of their legacy systems. QV high T plus zero on Moscow Exchange and the Kazakhstan Stock Exchange both morphed into T plus two and now the proposed T plus one in India is being greeted with some degree of horror out west. Technology news this week, OSE, the Saka Stock Exchange, and TOCOM, the Tokyo Commodities Exchange, they're both under the Japanese exchange's umbrella, of course. They have launched their new derivatives trading system. Euronext, linked with the transaction reporting service, Quamply, and Turquoise Plato have connected to OpenFin. In regulation, while well, I mentioned earlier how Coinbase are trying to make some ministrations and proposals to the US regulatory bodies in order to manage to move crypto forward. But nonetheless, the headline in Market Watch summed it all up this week. Critics fear the SEC's Gensler is seeking unlimited powers in crypto regulation. Elsewhere, Gary Gensler was also noting the fact that he thinks that, well, cryptocurrency, as in private money, is only going to be a short-lived thing. Viva, presumably the central bank digital currencies, in Gensler's opinion. Career paths this week, a series of interesting moves. First of all, over at ESMA, the European Securities Markets Association, Verena Ross is going to become the new chairman, taking over from Stefan Mayor, who was previously her boss when she served the full time limited term as executive director. The top of the short list originally for chairman was actually the Italian veteran Carmina De Noia, who will be obviously very disappointed, but at the same time, it looks as if Verena was helped along, not merely by her excellent bona fides for the job, but also, of course, in a diversity world, the fact that the European Union needs a lot more women in situ in senior posts. Congratulations to Verena, and indeed, all the best to Carmina de Noia, who was a close runner-up. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. IceClear Europe's former chief, Finbar Hutchison, he's joined Coinbase as a strategic advisor. Not such good news for Dmitry Vasilyev. He was the former chief of Russia's WEX crypto exchange. He got arrested in Warsaw, Poland, after his exchange was alleged to have laundered funds for numerous high-profile crypto hacks, including even the notorious Mt. Gox incident, which takes us a long, long way back indeed. Elsewhere, the CISI in the UK heralded six new honorary fellowships, amongst them two parishioners in the World of Exchanges, Alan Burr for a long time, the marketing man in London for the MEF Spanish Futures Exchange, and the ultimate eminence, Grease in the parish, Martin Watkins. Congratulations to both. In Big World this week, farewell then, Sir Clive Sinclair, who launched a personal computer revolution in the United Kingdom with his ZX80. And subsequently ZX81 and Spectrum computers. His electric C5 was ridiculed as a vehicle in its time, but would have been oh so hipster now. He was a genius ahead of his time in so many ways. Rest in peace, Sir Clive, and thank you for my introduction to computing Father the Sinclair ZX81. Those born outside the British Commonwealth, who may find the rules of cricket confusing, But none of those rules are perhaps more perplexing than the MCC regulatory body's latest decision to make cricket more inclusive. Thus, the batsman will be renamed batter. Batter being, of course, the term that in everyday usage refers to the preferred means for covering fried fish. How the Great British takeaway became part of the inclusive agenda frankly escapes me. And on that magnificent and mysterious note, ladies and gentlemen, My name is Patrick L. Young. Thanks for listening to this episode 113 of the Exchange Invest Weekly podcast. I look forward to meeting up with many of you via the pixels of the Exchange Invest newsletter Monday through Saturday. More details at exchangeinvest.com. Meanwhile, it only remains for me to wish you a great week in blockchain life and markets.